Welcome to Thriving with Mental Illness, a podcast with real talk, an open and honest conversation about issues surrounding mental health. There are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. I'm Mikkel Buck, author, public speaker, and suicide survivor who's lived with mental illness for over 20 years. And with me is my guy, Adam. Hey guys, welcome back. We're here again. You're here again. We should all do a podcast. <laughs> so wise, babe. So wise. <laughs> I love when you just like let things fly off the cuff. That's right. It's just such a treat it's to hear whatever just, it is that comes out. That's right. You never know. It's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> that's right. Thank you, Forrest Gump. <laughs> All right, so do you have a meme of the week for us? Um, of course I do. Okay, I thought uh, you might. I thought, yeah, you thought I might. You were right. So today's meme of the week comes to us from Borderline Goblin, reposted by our fave, Bipolar to Life. And the meme is this. Why did you do, say, post that? Twas a mood swing. <laughs> <laughs> Although the visual, you have to see the visual. It it's, is. It's the Pontiac Bandit from... Yes. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. So any Brooklyn Nine-Nine fans out there, yeah. uh, Pontiac Bandit or Daryl from The Office. Right, right. right. Same Sam. Yeah. It's the twas that got me, though. <laughs> twas a mood swing. I, I, I lost it at the twas. So <laughs> anyway, it was hilarious. <laughs> All right, so updates. What's going on? Updates. Well, we have company coming in town today, Max and Savannah, and Savannah's dad, David, and his new wife, Stacy, who we love. And we went to their wedding back in February, and we never did an update. We had a little bit of a gap, and so I figured, since they're coming in town, we'll do a quick little update on going to their wedding in February, because it was so much fun. It was. It was freezing, but it was fun. Uh, Yeah. So, again, we're from Arizona, right? All my wedding clothes are short dresses and bare legs and whatever. And I knew it was going to be cold because it's in Logan, Utah in February. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. No idea. The wind chill factor, it was like one degree. I thought I was going to die. Yes. Well, and I took a big coat knowing that it was going to be cold, but I left it in the car. Yeah. And so I thought we would have more time to go back to the car, but we had to park far away. And anyway, I thought, oh... That we'll just wait outside for like 10 minutes. It should be fine. But no, it was freezing. Yeah. By the time we were all ready to leave, I could barely walk. We got in the car and we were both so grumpy. You're like, I don't even know how people live in this. I don't know how you just die because it's so cold. I don't know how you don't just die. <laughs> yes. My core temperature dropped to an unsafe level. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we're, it was 113 degrees here last week. So, yeah. yes, it was a big swing for us. We're not used to that. Yes. And then we went back inside uh, to eat. I remember there was a fireplace, and I had to sit by the fireplace for like 30 minutes before I could feel like before a normal you could human. Function again? Yeah. Yes. The reception also was such a blast. They had it dancing was. there, and I was able to give a toast because we love David so much, and Stacy is amazing. We're so excited that they found each other and that we get to have them now in our lives more. The dance party, though, got a little it bit did. crazy. It did. Mikkel 
You would think that she had an alcoholic beverage or two, but can she you did imagine not. if I did? No. Wow, what a hot mess I would be. No, it, it would yeah. be special. It was so funny because we were sitting with David's parents at just one of the tables up in front, and we were talking about the dancing. And they, you know, the DJ gets on and he's like, "Who's going to be the first one on the floor?" I raise my hand and jump right up, and boom, drop into it immediately. <laughs> and as the as the dancing goes on at the reception, I can't remember what song it was, but Savannah and Stacy and I, I think it was. You hit the floor, next thing you know, shout out low, low. It was that one. So yeah. I was dancing, you know, appropriately for the song. Maybe inappropriately for a wedding. Who knows? But appropriately for the song. And David's mom, Grandma Carol, looked at you and said, Oh, wow, you've got your hands full. Yes. And she didn't know how prophetic she was. <laughs> like, Grandma Carol, I you said, have no idea. Indeed, I do have my <laughs> hands full with this one. Thank you, we love Grandma Carol, too. She's a sweetie. We do. <laughs> and we're so excited. So it'll be fun to update you all next week after the shower and after our enjoyable time with our company. Although Grandma Carol's warning came about 25 years too late. So. <laughs> Grandma Carol, where were you 25 <laughs> little, years ago? A little late to the party. Before I said yes to this one. Woo! <laughs> it was fun, though. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. We're so excited to have them. And we're excited to have you back and for our episode. We have a wonderful guest that we can't wait to introduce you to. Today we have a guest, Crystal Partney from Scattering Hope is joining us. So welcome to the podcast, Crystal. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm looking forward to this conversation. So you're the one who is putting together the summit that I was telling our listeners about maybe a month ago when we recorded our interview. So why don't you tell us about this amazing Scattering Hope Summit that you're putting together for the month of July? Oh, thank you. Yes. So the my whole like heart and soul behind the summit, I should start there, began the day before my birthday in 2019. My sister Gina took her life. And when that tragedy occurred, our family just, it hit us like a whirlwind. We didn't she had talked about it and, you know, she was making us very much aware, but when it actually happens, it's a whole different tragedy. It's like, oh my gosh, this is real now. And really what led me on this journey was that, and just really feeling it in my like spirit to help other families that are going through a similar situation as ours is going through right now. And it was at that time too, with it being so fresh. And then I got the idea to host a summit <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, okay, well, I've never done a summit before. This is completely out of my realm. I don't know anything about summits. <laughs> so the more that I, you know, was researching and, and just finding speakers and it just, the, the path just came, came about and I was like, okay, I'm doing this. And so my, my heart and soul behind the summit is really to bring people together and know that you're not alone when it comes to healing after losing a loved one to suicide, because I know that in my own journey, I felt so alone, especially within that first month. And thereafter, I just felt like I was the only person that was dealing with this tragedy. And in a way I was, you know, it was my sister and 
And so I just felt really isolated and not sure where to like connect or how to connect with other people. And, and the more that I started putting together the summit, I realized really quickly that I wasn't alone. And so that's really my heart and soul behind the summit is to bring people together and just start the conversation around suicide and how we can let the people know in our lives, how much they're loved and just ultimately being able to save their life. Because looking back on my own journey, I could see that thread of when I would let my sister know like, Hey, I really love you. And it, I could tell just by you know speaking with her that it really touched her that a family member was connecting with her on that level. And just simply saying that I, I see the struggles that she was going through. So yeah, that's just a little bit about the summit and that's my heart and soul behind it all. So talking a little bit more about your story with your sister, then how did your family work through that? Like finding connections and finding other people, because you, you said that it feels like you're so alone but then you've realized you're not, there's a, there's a lot of people in this club, sadly, or, you know, otherwise there's a lot of, a lot of people that deal with this. Yes. Yes. And honestly, my family, we don't necessarily talk about it like to each other. I think it's more so like this has happened and we're all grieving in our own way and we're quote unquote moving on or moving forward in our own way. So I would say the, the most vocal that we are about it is really the relationship between that I have between my mother and myself. And in fact, when my sister took her life, she, just to give a little context, you know, she was newly divorced after decades of being married and her children were living with her ex-husband at the time, thankfully, and they live about three hours away. So they're, they don't even live nearby. And she was staying at my mom and dad's home. And so when this tragedy happened, my mom, of course, was the one to find her. And she just reached out to me and we said, okay, mom, you now's the time. Now's the time for you to seek counseling and go see a therapist because this is a tragedy that we've never experienced before. And to preface things, my, my dad passed away in 2013 from health complications and we were a big proponent of her, you know, seeking therapy at that point, but you know, life just kind of got in the way and things just it never came to be. And so when my sister tragically passed away, now we were even more of an advocate for therapy and saying, okay, let's go. And that was one of the things that she suggested was that I go with her. And so her and I have been going to counseling for years now. And ever since this tragedy happened and Again, it's just one of those things that it's brought us closer together. But in terms of my siblings, again, I feel like we've all kind of dealt with our sister's death in our own way. 
And it has brought us closer together, but in a lot of ways, I would say that it's, it's been a struggle where we really just kind of avoid the conversation. And again, that's why I'm like, no, like, let's have the summit. Let's talk about it because when we don't talk about it, that's when, you know, the shame and the guilt and the, the spiral of negative thinking of what could I have done, what, what, you know, quote unquote, should I have done? That's when those voices tend to get really loud. At least that's been my experience. So tell us a little bit about your family, Um, you know, siblings and kind of ages, you know, where everybody fits just so our listeners have an idea. Yeah. So I'm the youngest of eight. I know whenever I say that, everybody's like, oh my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) but it's true. I come from a very large family and my sister, Gina, she was the oldest girl. So it's my two older brothers and then Gina. And so my mom kind of jokes that she was going to make her opinions and her voice heard even at a young age. She was very much like, you know, my mom's birds were piss and vinegar. Like she was just (laughs) a total spitfire. And that's one of the, the, the attributes that I absolutely love about her is that she was just full of energy and just this ball of light that's really makes us all the more tragic that she's no longer here. So after you said it was lonely after she passed away, were there people that reached out, uh, neighbors, uh, friends, or, or was it kind of quiet? Did people not reach out? It was a mixture of both. I definitely had friends in other family, you know, reach out, but I would say, you know, my, my closest friends and my, and my neighbors were absolutely like, you know, reaching out to me saying, Hey, what can I do? How can I help you? Can I, you know, can I take your daughter? She was three at the time. And, you know, can I take her? Can, and my husband was a huge help. Like he was a total like saint because he would, allow me just especially in those early days to just wake up and he would take her and just like disappear (laughs) (laughs) for for the rest of the day so I didn't have to you know I still had to be mom but I still could just really sort of sit and process everything and it was rough. It, it was extremely rough, but I'm just very glad that I had that support system. And it's so tempting, as tempting as it was, especially in those early days for me to like, be like, nope, I'm okay. I don't need the help. I don't need the support. I'm, I'll, I'll deal with it on my own. I really took a stand and said, no, Crystal, like if you need help, ask for it. Yeah. Ask for help there's no shame in it. And I did, I asked my, my best friend, cause she asked right after this happened, and she says, what can I do? How can I help you? And I said, you know, what would be really great is if I had just some stuff for breakfast, I don't have time to like make, you know, scrambled eggs or whatever for, for my daughter. But, you know, if you guys, if you could bring over some breakfast stuff and I'm telling you guys, she brought over this huge gift basket full of like, donuts and you know fruit and just like it was way beyond anything I was like I was totally fine with cereal 
<laughs> but thank you. <laughs> so, and she was just fabulous in, in giving that and just as simple as that. And even my, my neighbor, you know, brought over some things and I have this picture that she gave me of, it's just a painting that somebody drew, but it's, it shows it depicts a, a, a girl like being hugged. I don't know what your religious background is, but this, this picture is her being hugged by like by God or by Jesus. And so it's such a beautiful depiction. And I visualize that whenever I think of my sister, like it was just, it's this warm embrace of welcome home. And there's no, like, there's no shame. There's no guilt. It's just welcome home. And, and I love it. And so that was another thing that a neighbor had given me. And yeah, I was just so truly grateful for that. You've done such an amazing job of starting the conversation. And um, when I was telling people about our initial interview that we did in the summit that's coming up, I let them know your organization is called Scattering Hope. And then you have a sister company called Owl and Thistle with these beautiful care baskets that just, I don't know, I would feel so loved getting something like that. Maybe it was inspired by your best friend when she brought that over. But what was it that prompted you to start your organization in the first place? Was it through therapy? Again, it was just that connection to my sister because I have to, you know, kind of give some context, a little bit of background, what was happening in my life at that time. And not that it downplays or or makes light of anything that was going on when the tragedy happened, but I was literally a month away from graduating college. And so I was right in the thick of like final papers and putting together, you know, preparing mentally for finals and just all of the things that come alongside with graduating college. (laughs) And I was just like, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to graduate because I knew that if I, one, I, I owed it to myself from all the blood, sweat and tears that I had put in all the years prior. And I told myself too, that Gina wouldn't want me to just quit she knows like how hard I worked for this degree and grades at that point didn't matter. And so it was just was like, I don't care. I'm just going to graduate. And so I did thankfully. And I took, I told myself too, I was going to take a year off and not like rush out and find a job in the field that I had just graduated. And, and I was very fortunate. I didn't have to like rush out and find a job. And I told myself, okay, I'm going to take this year and I'm just going to heal. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm just going to heal. And so it was during that year, I kept getting this, you know, prompting on my heart that was like, Crystal, I want you to help other families. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know even what that looks like, but I'm going to, I'm going to try. So scattering hope was, was sort of birthed out of this prompting on my heart that wouldn't go away (laughs) (laughs) my sister was very persistent in you know speaking this idea into my mind and after I started mapping this out like okay this is what I want to create this is what I envision and this is what really helped me 
in my beginning stages of, of healing after my sister, uh, sister suicide. And then again, the sister company really in my sister's memory is Alan Thistle, like you said, and it focuses on, you know, suicide prevention. And again, it's allowing you the opportunity to say, I, I see you and I see the struggles you're going with through and uh, just allowing yourself to have that conversation with the people that you love and just letting them know that they are loved. You talk about people typically want to help, you know, but they don't know how. If you've never had someone in your life that has committed suicide, it's hard to know what to do. It's hard to know what to say. And so I think a lot of people are reluctant to do anything. They're afraid that they might offend somebody or do the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. So maybe you could just talk a little bit about things that people did. And I know you've given us some examples, but what are some other things that just the average person did or said that was helpful you know, even though nobody can lift that burden, nobody's going to make it go away. Nobody's going to make the pain go away. But what are some things that people can do to just help out in a small way? Yeah, just like I said before, even something as simple as giving them breakfast, like I wouldn't have even thought about that, but offering to pick up dinner at their favorite restaurant in town or better yet, just surprise them. Because quite honestly, if they're anything like me, they're going to like naturally put up a front and be like, no, no, I'm okay. But to just show up at their house with a plate of tacos, they're not going to say no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who would turn down tacos? I mean, come on. So even something like that, but it doesn't have to be even that, like it could be just something as simple as like I was sharing earlier about my neighbor, just coming over and just saying, Hey, I, I got this for you. And it was just this beautiful picture that she's like, I, I don't even know your sister, but when I saw this, I thought of you and it was just something so simple and just so kind that really ultimately what it comes down to is the gesture itself. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't even have to be anything. It could just be simply sitting with them and just saying like, I'm just going to sit here and, you know, stuff my face with tacos and you can just cry or not say anything at all. <laughs> That's yeah. totally fine, but I'm just here. I just want yeah. to be here. And that alone will speak volumes. And like I said, you don't even have to say anything. So that would be my, my tip is that if people are like, what can I do? How can I support them? How can I show that I, that I love them and I want to help them just keep it simple. And even just showing up and just being there, sending them a text, even just throughout the day. And honestly, even sending them a text like at night, I know it might sound a little bit crazy. The night is like nighttime is really hard, especially if you've lost a loved one to suicide. It seems like when just in darkness, it kind of escalates during the night at least it did for me and so i think the busyness of the day kind of goes away and then you're left sitting with your thoughts 
And I know for me, like, I don't want to be sitting with my thoughts. That's why I try to keep really busy. And so I understand what you're saying. The nighttime's hard because my mind's not busy with other things because I'm trying to fall asleep. So. Right. Exactly. And then if you, if you have nightmares, it's like, that's when you need that reassurance that, that people are in your life that care about you and they just want to help you. So even just sending them like a midnight text saying, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Chances are they're probably up or if not, they'll see it when they wake up. So. Yeah, that's a good point. I know. I love all of these little ideas. They're such small things. And I especially love you just saying, just show up. I mean, I, I had a lot of people ask, you know, what can I do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to get through it. I have no idea what I need, but if you just show up to my house and give me a hug and like, maybe that day I want to sit on the couch and cry. Maybe that day I could use someone to eat tacos in my kitchen. That would be an amazing day. But I, I don't know what I need, but if you show up here, like it's, <laughs> it'll be exactly the right thing. So I like that. You talk about, you didn't know whether you wanted help or if, if you wanted to accept any help. You know, I think that's fairly common. We, <laughs> this is not exactly related, but our, our son, uh, Sam, he tends to get injured a lot. He does crazy things. And, adrenaline junkie and so when <laughs> he's he, a boy, he's a boy. <laughs> <laughs> but when it's so funny because when he gets injured really badly we can tell without him telling us because he overcompensates and it's like the adrenaline comes and he is acting almost like he fakes being super happy he's a super chill mellow guy anyway here's here's a classic example so a couple years ago we used to go cliff jumping uh in the summertime and he and his buddy went cliff jumping one day to the spot we typically go to and there's one area that you have to run out really far to clear the bank on the bottom so he goes off with his buddy for the day he comes home three or four hours later and he's acting super peppy and he's smiling real big and he's super chattery, which is not like him at all. I'm like, what's up? And he's like, nothing. I haven't had a great time. I'm going to my room. I'm like, okay, slow down. What happened? <laughs> nothing happened. I'm like, yeah, right. Spill it, dude. What happened? So he jumped off the cliff and he didn't clear the bank and he landed on his heels on in the shallow water in the rocks and really got hurt. I knew that he was hurt because he was trying so hard to show me that he wasn't. So yeah. But Long story short, he was in a cast. He was real, real hurt. And he hasn't been cliff jumping since. So that's <laughs> neither here nor there, but I'm just saying. Yes. Yes. I guess my point is that sometimes our reaction when we're really injured is to pretend like there's this adrenaline or there's this, I don't know, survival instinct that kicks in and you pretend like you're not hurt and you try to pretend like you can just go about your life and you can just keep going. And the reality is, you know, you're injured. There's, there's a wound and you have to take time to address it. And it is going to take time. And so I think, you know, both from people trying to support and reaching out, but also to the person who's experienced the loss to allow people to come and to realize you are injured at the moment and it'll get better but you need help. You need people to come and bring love and resources and whatever else you need during this. Tacos. She was tacos. right on with the tacos. tacos. That's what you need. 
the medicinal purpose, <laughs> the medicinal right. qualities of tacos. <laughs> Talking more about the summit, how did you find all of these participants? Because you've got a lot of people that have been invited to participate in this. Yeah, it was really just me researching on my own and just saying, like, for you guys, I was like, hey, there's a podcast out there. Let me check this out. And just that's how I found you guys. <laughs> so I very similarly, I was looking and saying like, okay, who is speaking about this? Like who is talking about mental health? Who is talking about, you know, suicide and grief and all of this array of topics, really, it became this research project that I was like, well, what would, I, you know, again, I'm using my own experience, but it's like, what, what would I want to know? What would I want to learn in my own healing? What would benefit me if I was to attend a summit like this around this very sensitive topic? What would I want to learn? And then it was just a matter of saying, well, okay, I want to learn about mental health. I want to learn about, you know, grief. I want to learn about how do I you know, hold grief in my body? How do I process that? Um, the list goes on and on, right? <laughs> so just, and then it became just a simple project that was like, okay, I, I say it's simple, but it's really not. <laughs> not simple. <laughs> it's not. Tell everybody about it. I, I kind of explained it um, a few weeks back after the interview, but why don't you tell everybody how do you find it, how it's set up and how they can participate? Yeah, so you can register for the summit. It's free, completely free, and you will be able to find links to register and have it be delivered via email to your inbox for, um, excuse me, on social media. So if you go to, you know, scattering.hope on Instagram, I'll have a link in my bio as well as we'll be, you know, actively like showing like, Hey, you guys can register now and, and all the good things. And I forgot before we move, move further along, it's happening July 11th to the 24th. So every single day, there's going to be a speaker like you guys that have come on and I've interviewed and your, you know, your interview will go out via email and you can watch it. And there is also a healing pass that I created that has a workbook that you guys can purchase if you want, that has all the notes that you don't have to sit there. Cause if you're like me, I sit there and I take a bazillion notes and then I don't actually listen to the recording because I'm so busy <laughs> taking notes. So yeah. my heart behind that was, Hey, if I took notes for you, then you could just enjoy everybody's interview and you wouldn't have to be, you know, mm. taking notes while you go along. And so that is, you know, again, that that'll be available to you. And that is just really a little bit, a little taste about the summit and it's yeah, going to be so good. So all of you people who are too stressed out to like get dressed up and go somewhere, you can just sit in your jammas at home and eat ice cream on the couch or tacos and participate and get all of this amazing information. I'm so excited about all the different areas that you've researched. I can't wait to participate and hear what everybody else has to say for the speakers. It's going to be so good. 
Yes. And thank you so much for joining me. I was just so thrilled that you said yes. And, and exactly, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I wanted it to be able to not only for the participants to, you know, register and hear from all of these amazing speakers, but also for you as speakers to connect with other speakers and be able to, you know, sort of connect with them and develop those relationships. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm super excited to be hosting it again. It's been so fun to me. We started our podcast. I don't know. It's been going on three seasons. Maybe it's been a couple years now. I think that we've been doing it and it felt before to me, like what you said, this is a very lonely path. Living with mental illness, dealing with mental illness has felt very alone to me at different times in my life. I published my own book, Thriving with Mental Illness, uh, I don't know, eight years ago and started to be a lot more open about it. A lot of invitations started coming my way because there aren't very many people willing to speak on the subject. And I realized there's this whole underground network of people that like, it's not the loudest group of people, but it's, there's so many people who are connected and able to help in so many ways. And it has been one of the most amazing things in my life to be able to speak at different events and fly out and meet people and be on podcasts, but really just to help in a way that not everybody can. I, I love doing this. You're so passionate about it. And this is something that I also am so passionate about and just feel so lucky to be a part of. Well, again, I can't thank you enough because it's people like yourself that are willing to say yes and just support in that way. And really just like you said, let's start the conversation. It's like, Hey, you know what? There's no, uh, why can't we start the conversation? Let's start it. Let's talk about it. Let's bring it to the forefront of our conversations and not make it be so scary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If somebody wants to find your owl and thistle merchandise and care packages, is that also something that can be linked from your scattering.hope Instagram account? Yes. So owl and thistle has, it has its own like social media and all of that. So, but yeah, if you just, if you just search owl and thistle owl, like the bird, (laughs) that will be, be in the, the, you'll be able to find it that way. (laughs) Awesome. Oh my gosh, Crystal, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. I can't wait for everybody to hear this and for everybody to jump on the summit. It's going to be such good information. So thank you for all of your heart and soul that's gone into this. Oh, my pleasure. And thanks for having me again. Yeah. Thank you to all of you listeners for joining us. We love that you come back again and again. If you have questions or topics that you would like to see covered, you can submit them on Instagram at Thriving With Mental Illness. Remember, there are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. We will see you next time. See you next time.